0: Welcome to NodeWorthy, the official podcast of TechNode.com. I am John Artman, Editor-in-Chief. This week, I'm joined by Thibaut Genetay, the uh, Managing Director of Luwagin China. Uh... It was a great conversation, I have to say. I, I really enjoyed myself. Dubow's a great guy. And uh, it, it's a bit wide-ranging, as I think that you'll probably uh, come to expect for uh, this specific type of episode on on NodeWorthy. Um, to be honest, I kind of prefer uh, wide-ranging, kind of broader discussions, um, but ones that are kind of around a specific topic. And so, as you might have guessed, this uh, specific topic was uh, Wagon, uh, And so Wagon is a global... Uh, is a global programming boot camp. So originally started in Europe, it's since expanded to other countries, and it's been in China for two years with uh, Thibaut heading up that uh, that initiative. Uh, so we talk about Le wagon we talk about programming, we talk about uh, women in tech, and we also talk about kind of some of the things that uh, that he's seeing in China when it comes to programming and how some of their their coursework and attendees tend to be slightly different. Uh, although not 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 too different, but obviously you want to localize uh, certainly certainly in the case of programming you know they're not going to be focusing so much on uh, certain Western platforms, but WeChat is going to be a bit more uh, emphasized uh, I think so but before we get into it, I just wanted to remind you that if you have not already you should subscribe to our newsletters. Every day we send out newsletters that give you all the information you need to understand what's happening with technology here in China. We have the daily briefing, which goes out Monday through Friday, as well as the weekend briefing, which goes out on Sunday. And that is a curated summary of news and information about technology in China, including some of our own stories. And then also we have thrice weekly, the China Funding Daily, uh, which I guess is perhaps a misnomer. That is a summary of some of the largest and most significant fundings. Here on the mainland. But without further ado, I give you Thibaut Guinnete. So so Thibaut, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today.
1: Thank you, Joey.
0: So one of the first questions that I like to ask um, any 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 person that I'm having onto a show. Um, in in, in any, any kind of like public interview, especially if uh, you know, I expect that the audience doesn't doesn't know you very well, uh, is to give a an introduction of who you are, uh, what you're doing, and um, also a little bit about your China story.
1: China story. Okay, okay, John. I'm from France. I'm kind of a nerd, right? I've been uh, programming websites and apps for uh, now 15 years, and China China story is 2010. This is when I, I came to China as a product manager in digital marketing, building software as well. Um, then 2014, I moved into the luxury business, luxury industry, and working with, you know, the big groups, the French groups, like uh, LVMH or from Switzerland, like Richmond, you know, and that was, that was a lot of WeChat and WeChat and WeChat those days, I guess. And then I dropped trying to make something more useful um kind of had my crisis you know like okay what's my what's the purpose of my life and then decided to join the wagon so that's what i'm doing now i'm the head of china for this coding bootcamp the wagon
0: and how long have you been doing that
1: and it's been two years we are celebrating our two-year anniversary this
0: week oh wow well congratulations that's perfect timing isn't it
1: thank you yeah, yeah very exciting week
0: <laughs> so um I am curious. So, you know, I was I was just looking at uh the Wagon website and to be honest, I didn't realize that Wagon was like actually a global a global or- organization. Mm. So, you want to tell us a little bit about kind of kind of what what Wagon does and how big it is and stuff?
1: Right. Um it's it's <laughs> it's probably the biggest um like international community of um people learning how to code, let's say. Um, Law Le Wagon was started five years ago in Paris. OK, so I'm not the founder. I'm just a guy running the camps in China. Mm. Um, five years ago in Paris, three founders, there was one banker, one lawyer, and one Googler. OK, uh, two browsers and one Googler. So they worked together on building this curriculum to make it much more relevant to the needs of uh, non-tech people, essentially, to make it less boring, uh, less theory. Um, a little bit inspired by what are the American boot camps, if you know what I mean, if you know this industry a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of boot camps are taking blue collars and turn them into white collars, right? Um, so they took this concept and fine tuned it to make their own curriculum. Um, and the goal is to bring technical skills to anybody that is creative, anybody that has business ideas, non tech people. So that was five years ago, and then it grew to something uh, really international, as I said, 20, 20 countries. Um, five continents and thirty cities as of now. So China is operating Shanghai, Chengdu and Sichuan, and Shenzhen, mm. of course. Mm. Right, the, which is the the latest we just launched. Yeah. So that's the the same curriculum, uh, and I would say world test instructors around the world giving to the students the skills they need to do a career in technology.
0: Yeah. So I guess uh, you know the big the big question is um, I mean why why China? Why did Luagen, um come to China? And and also I'm kind of curious why mm. why Chengdu? I mean, you know, when we talk about kind of startups and technology, you know, Beijing, Shanghai, and Shenzhen are, are the big ones, uh, but Chengdu isn't isn't usually
1: the first one that 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 comes to mind. True, true. Yeah, thanks for asking, China. Well, why China? I called them actually <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> three years ago. <laughs> My observations were that everybody had an appetite for learning. Clearly, this kind of growth mindset, where you know everybody wants to upskill and grow and quickly move up the ladder, there were so many frustrations I, that I observed. You know, in well, I was I was in luxury and as I said, uh, doing a lot of WeChat, right? explaining a lot of WeChat applications and WeChat marketing to everybody. really. and then in this process, you would realize that. Everybody is buying some software. Everybody is talking about software, but very few had a clue what was actually inside, and that was driving me crazy. Plus, I realized all these people in between, these product managers, trying to stretch between engineers and business folks on the other side, and they, they clearly needed to, you know, understand the basics. So that was that was my observation. And then, Wagon was already doing a great job in Europe, and where. At that stage, about to, no, just opening in Canada, and Japan, Australia, and so forth. So I told them China is the place where we need a curriculum like this one. Let me help you with the Chinese part of it, because, well, we need to teach WeChat. We need to explain Aliyun and so on. We need to, you know, help people build products locally. Uh, but for, then for the rest, the, the, the methodology, the curriculum, the, the, the international community was already amazing. So um, brought it to China. And um, then Shanghai was the first right, because uh, my friends, programmers, uh, were starting to teach it with me. Mm. Um, Chengdu, yeah, great question. Chengdu was the place where we felt was uh, amazing amount of opportunities. Okay, on the ground, there's so much happening. And uh, the, the tech industry is not as big as you would see, perhaps in Beijing and, and Shenzhen, but actually on the ground, there are so many uh, startups, specifically in video games and health, that are doing an amazing job. Um, so it was uh, perhaps a long shot compared to are going to the big hubs first. We, I don't regret this choice. Chengdu is an amazing place and the community there is vibrant too. Every time I go there, it's a slap in my face, things are, are changing fast. Mm. And Shenzhen is just announced, we are starting now. And that's a different reason, um, different ecosystem, getting closer to some of our partners like Tencent, WeChat obviously in the region, uh, but also e-commerce, like Shopify, You know they also operate there. Um, and then there's a lot of IoT, and when you do IoT, Shenzhen is a lot of hardware, but they, they don't have so much software at this moment, and so we are bridging a little bit of this gap as well. Plus, mm. Guangdong area, you know, the Greater Bay area is huge, and we have so much demand uh, from Guangzhou and Hong Kong and Shenzhen that we decided that it was time for us to uh, operate the community over there. So this is what we've done as a sales step. Mm.
0: Mm. So Does that make sense? Yeah, totally, totally. So why, why, why no Beijing? Why no Beijing?
1: Ah, because, well, it's on the roadmap, sure. Um, but number one reason, because we're 100% bootstrapped, okay? Uh, no funding, it's purely a community, and so we cannot be everywhere uh, at the same time. We, it takes time for us to set up some operations on the ground. So um, essentially, Beijing, yes, not immediately, mm um we in two years we open three cities now and that's a lot of people being involved um so i'm not rushing things i want this to be done properly and beijing is yeah it's a big place we don't want to screw up we don't want to do it the the the, the wrong way so i'll wait until we're ready
0: yeah i I feel like beijing beijing is a difficult market for community based or or, or um projects or businesses that 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 rely on on community building. Um
1: uh, you tell me you live in Beijing, well, have you seen a lot of communities operating now?
0: Well, I mean, so so there's there's, there's more than there used to be. Uh mm. that's that's for sure. Um certainly, you know, Technode we're we're trying to do it. Um Startup Grind is trying to do it. Uh Angel Hack is is trying to do it and then of course you have all the different um, Co-working spaces and and things like that, and then of course there are um, smaller kind of niche communities based around mindfulness or yoga or or something like that. But my my sense has always been that it that it feels very fragmented, Um, and that part of it is because there's information uh, discoverability is feels very difficult in in Beijing, Um, and I think part of it's just geography. You know, because you have. A lot of the expats um, who, even if they do work in technology, they probably live, on you know, in uh, in the east, um, and maybe they they commute to Haidian, but they probably also work in the east. And then, and then, of course, you have most of the Chinese tech people are are in Haidian, Zhongguancun, um, that that area. Um, and so, you know, I've been in China for I've been in Beijing for for ten years, and it's only just recently where I feel like now that I'm really actively. Uh, looking for this, and of course, it's part of my job to do this. That I'm, I'm finding it, and and I can see the sense that it's that it, that is definitely growing. But um, but you know, three years ago, it was it, it felt like there was there was not much. Um, so so I can definitely see how, how Beijing would be would be a, a bit of a challenge. I mean, it's just a it's just a huge huge city.
1: It will come. Uh, we will do it in due time. Um, simply because we have more and more um, students that come from Beijing. Right, that are originally from Beijing and they come down to Shanghai in order to attend our camps. Right, Just like we had uh, over the past two years, a lot of people from Shenzhen, from Guangzhou and from Hong Kong, traveling to Chengdu or to Shanghai to join us. So I think that indeed now we have more and more people that are from Beijing and it will open up uh, you know, the ecosystem, but that takes time. And again, uh, we have this sort of incubation model, just like me, like somebody who Knows programming or knows the operations can bring bring this curriculum to a new city, right? So Beijing would be—it's obviously on the roadmap, Everybody's talking about it, but you know, who will dare to open it? I mean, <laughs> if you're listening to this <laughs> and you feel like, all right, dope, <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. I'm always listening. I'm always uh, I'm always talking to a lot of people for that reason.
0: Yeah, we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll put your contact info in the in the show notes um, so that people want to get in touch about that they can. Um, so I'm um, so you know we talked a little bit about kind of why La Wagon, but then what w- why why study? I mean like so so when you're you know when you're looking at the students and uh, people in your community, I mean why do they choose? I mean I guess in the first place why do they why do they choose to do like a programming boot camp? And then why do you think they choose La Wagon and not not uh, some somewhere else?
1: Nice. Um, typically they've tried themselves. All right, they've done they've done some stuff. They've been online. They 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 tried a little bit of code. Uh, there are many online courses for free, and they and they stop. I don't know if you tried yourself, John. Uh, if I've, you I've tried a little ev- bit, yeah. Ev- right, and how do you feel about it?
0: Um, well, so I tried. I tried. Uh, I think was it MIT had an open course. I tried that, and, it would, and like I life just got in the way, and I kind of dropped it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly the, 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 the thing that happens to a lot of people. They try a little bit online because they think, mm, that's interesting, I need to know a bit more how that works. And then they realize it's daunting, it's a lot of work, and they stop. So it's, it's too bad because they, everybody's missing out. Today, software, specifically China, everything is AI, blockchain, is pushing forward very quickly. And there's this shift happening, and then people realize, oh, shit, I'm going to be left behind. And so they, they want to learn, and then they realize it's not an easy thing. So then they turn to, we are just an alternative solution where we are a community with coaches, instructors, and a curriculum, which is the, said to be the most efficient in the world, the shortest and the most impactful in the world. So they, they find us online, mostly also friends who did it, and then they say, okay, I've tried, I think this is hard, but I want to, I, I dare to try further, and I'm going to spend two months of my life, which is super short when you think about it, um, thinking as much as I can, and, and upscaling as, you know, very quickly. And so it could be anybody, really. We had, of course, university students, we had journalists, we had architects, we had fashion bloggers, a lot of people from finance, a lot of entrepreneurs who have been building businesses and they had a hard time working with programmers. And so, yeah, they have the same frustrations, right? They want to build things, but they don't know where to start. Do, yeah. Do you understand the the point?
0: Yeah, definitely. Sorry, my
1: how, uh, my <laughs> microphone.
0: Um, so, um, yeah. No, I think I think it's. I mean, it's really interesting because, like, personally, um, I, I, I do believe that that even if even if you're not a programmer, um, if not now, then certainly in the future, uh, you need to understand how computers work. Or, or how... Oh,
1: 100% agree. Yeah. I don't think you must become a programmer. That's not my point. You know, it's not a job for everybody. Um, it's clearly not an easy job, just to be clear, but uh, it's a very rewarding job. Now, even if you don't want to, you know, change your profession, at least putting yourself in the shoes of programmers uh, gives you the lingo, right? It gives you the methodology and the mindset, just like, you know... I'm, I'm not a, for example, I'm not a doctor. Right? I know nothing about medicine. So if I go in the hospital, um, I'm a bit scared. Right? The doctors will tell me a lot of things. I have no clue what they're talking about. And I have to trust them because they know. right? They're supposed to know. Plus, in the hospital, you have a lot of weird, scary machines. And you know it will have an impact on your life, but you still don't know how they work. Right? And, so, and then you become very uncomfortable and you think, oh, wow. So that's exactly the same sort of thing we observe everywhere now. Right? And you don't need to become a doctor, but at least you can understand the basics so that you have a better time.
0: Yeah, and I again, again, I think I I, I completely agree. Um, I mean, that's honestly that's one of the reasons that I do I, that I'm, I'm I'm working at TechNode and kind of doing what I'm doing is be, is not because I'm necessarily um, interested in in technology uh, itself. Um, I'm not hmm. uh, what I what I like to refer to them is uh, tech horny journalists. You know, especially from. Uh, a lot of a lot of the the tech journalists in the states I'm not going to name names because it's not really important, um, but they but they're very uh, pro technology like oh you know this new iPhone oh this new Android phone the new DJI whatever and, and so on and so on. Uh, personally, I'm not I'm not too interested in 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 following it in that sense. What I'm really interested in is is the actual impact. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: And what I realized uh, several years ago is that on the one hand you know I don't want to be a programmer. Maybe one day I will program something. Um, but it's, it's really important to understand technology so that I can understand uh, my life, or, or I can understand uh, my position in the world, and, and also, in, in a certain sense, I can protect myself from, from technology and, and, of course, my, my children as well. Um, and so while I might not have the time to go to a boot camp, uh, like yours, certainly that's, that's something that, you know, I, I will probably encourage my children to do. Um, you know, like, like my kids, um, right now, I mean, my son, he takes a, it's kind of funny, a Lego class. Um, but he really enjoys building stuff. And I think when it, when, when he's old enough, uh, we're going to get him into some kind of STEM program where he can learn how to, how to, how to code. And the same, this is awesome. and the same, in the same thing with, uh, with, with my daughter who's 12, you know, she's at that age where it's it's time to start learning this stuff um and the thing is like we don't really have computers in our in our home and it's only just recently that she's had to use a computer for um for uh her schoolwork, and i'm actually like just really surprised by how little she knows about how a computer works and what to do and stuff and so i've had to sit down with her and really explain it to her um because you know when i was a kid i just kind of picked up this stuff by myself i've always been fascinated by just kind of how things work um but anyway, point, point being is that, you know, for I think for a, a, a happy life, let's say, um, and, and a successful career, you have to kind of understand how these things work, um, if, not, if, not, if not the actual uh, programming language itself. But then I think as you were saying before, you know, how to talk to programmers.
1: Totally agree. Well, a couple of years ago, you had to learn English, right? That was mandatory everywhere you were in the world. Now, I believe technology is also a at least the A, B, C, at least the beginning um, must be must be taught uh, to everybody. Now, surprisingly, everybody is focusing on kids, specifically here in China. You'd be surprised how many entrepreneurs I meet that are doing edtech and teaching code to kids, like so many of them. Um, and even Chinese entrepreneurs that I meet, um, they, they don't get the point of teaching adults like we do, right? I had this conversation with the the founder of Hello Bike, you know, the bike sure, the shaving sure. company in third, second tier, third tier, fourth tier mm-hmm, mm-hmm. series. Um, and so she was telling me, oh, you're teaching code. That's great. So you're teaching kids, right? No, sorry. <laughs> teaching adults. Oh, okay. Cool. But you're teaching online. No, sorry. <laughs> We're teaching offline. Yeah. <laughs> and end of the conversation. So imagine from the perspective of a Chinese entrepreneur, we are doing things that are not scaling and we're doing things for the adults and not the kids. So it's like <laughs> not really much what um, what's happening right now in China, obviously. But I, I get your point though. Kids, future, future leaders, future, future makers, we have to teach them early on. Hopefully it comes from them and not directly from parents that are pushing them into this mm. without them asking for it. That's a little bit one of the frictions I've observed. I've got parents calling me sometimes and asking, asking us to take the daughter or the, or, the, or the son, 16, 15 years old, in our camps. And I'm like, sorry, but can I speak to your son first? Mm. I mean, does he want this? Mm. I mean, I, I know that you want him to have a, a nice future. I, I hear you. Every parent is the same, but please give them a break. You know, And I'm a little bit against this uh, attitude that I've observed so many times. But that's just, you know. It's, I cannot have too many battles at the same time. Yeah, exactly.
0: I mean, yeah, and and um, yeah, when we 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 have, we have the same philosophy with our kids. If if our kids don't like taking a class for whatever reason, then then we won't we won't force them into it. But but I, I mean, I'm just I'm just kind of I'm just kind of thinking about EdTech, for ed tech the ed tech market in China. And it strikes me that that for entrepreneurs, I mean, I mean, if they're looking to to scale, as you were saying, I mean, like the the kids the kids education market in China is huge. Yeah. Absolutely huge. It is.
1: And, but they also want to do online, because then they can reach uh, masses, right. millions of people at once. But in, unfortunately, as of now, I haven't found successful ways of learning online that is directly applicable and that is very tangible, and specifically when what, what we talk about programming. Mm. So I'm being safe. taught I tell you it's possible. Uh, you can learn online picking stuff, right? but it took me 15 years. Mm. Um, so it's, it's doable but not the most efficient way. Yeah. But unfortunately, when you have China market in front of you and you actually want to deliver curricula to uh, thousands and millions of people at once, it must be online. It must be with a platform. But that takes, uh, that takes a while. I think there are more and more stuff coming yeah. in right now. That is very interesting. I'm watching this, uh, obviously. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, No, it just strikes me. It's kind of similar to like meditation, for example. I mean, like you can download an app Mm. and it can, and it can give you like a 10 to 15 minute guided meditation every day. Uh, or you can go on a, on a two week retreat and, and those experiences, um, are, are going to be very, very different. Um, but I want to, yeah, good point. Yeah. So, so actually I wanted to, uh, to move on. Um, so, so I'm curious in terms of, let's start with attendees, um, like in China versus, you know, globally do you see like a difference in, in, in like attendee profile? I mean, in terms of, you know, let's just, let's just say, let's just say like, you know, typical demographic stuff, age, gender, profession.
1: No, no, no. We have a little bit of a better, better balance, gender, gender ratio. You know, we have a bit more women Mm. than the rest of the world, which is a good thing. And we are pushing for even more, right? We want to really close the gap in the, in the tech space. So surprisingly, and it's a very good thing, more women in our camps. Now for demographics, no, know, has been designed to be super diverse and we push for diversity. And so we select um, students from 18 years old to 45 years old, um, you know, moms of two and fashion bloggers and finance workers all in one group, Uh, sometimes up to 14 nationalities in one session. So in Shanghai right now, yeah, we have 14 nationalities, the number one being Chinese, of course, American number two, most of the times. And then it's, it's so diverse. Mm. And that's also something we enjoyed really much. You take a lot from the people that are in the classroom with you. So no, not specific demographic. Um, let's say typically we have a lot of people with this quite a life crisis, right? The one I mentioned earlier, you're like, okay, you've been studying something because parents told you to do it. That's what we really see a lot in China. Okay, they went to finance, they went to marketing or whatnot, uh, studying English, and then they hate it. Um, they don't like this job, but it's not, it was not their decision. And after a few years, they realize, okay, now I'm a grown-up. perhaps I can take a decision. And, and then they would you know, dare to drop what I've done myself in my career earlier, and, and, and do some sort of, um, you know, a change, a quite a leap of faith in a way. And so that's what we've observed quite a lot. And then they say, okay, Now, possibilities are what? Um, A new job, project manager, product manager, developer, data scientist, so on and so on. Or launching your own business, that's probably 30% of our students in China. Mm. And then uh, freelancers, it's a growing, very fast growing category as well. Um, I I had students that were from uh, Apple or that were at Alibaba. And guess what, they didn't like it much and they decided to uh, drop out and Become uh, freelancers. Yes. They can now sell their time, sell the services, and share their passion and build things for our clients. And that's indeed. It's not, it's by far not the biggest in China. Okay, it's not the biggest category of people, but it's a growing thing we've observed in the past two years.
0: Yeah, and and also, I mean, like you know, if I mean, you know, as as you said before, you're not you're not focusing on you're not you're not in China because you know you're looking for the next the next like amazing growth area for for the wagon necessarily. Um, but I think that, that that definitely there is there is that market. Uh, there, there for it. But I'm curious as well. I mean, like, so in terms of curriculum, is there is mm. there a difference between like what you guys teach here in China and what uh, and what you teach um, outside?
1: Right. So we have an online um, platform with all the courses uh, available for the students in camp, and teachers are going through this material. Um, so the students in China have access to the global material. We teach them; they have access to everything we've done in the rest of the world. However, we have some uh, add-ons, right? We have added some, some specific parts in the course so that they can build products for the local market as well. Um, typically, at some point in the course, we bring up WeChat, okay? Two years ago, WeChat, Tencent decided to uh, create a, you know, a framework for building application inside the application. And we were the, probably the, on, the only international school and the first movers in this uh, in this uh, category. So we, we teach them how to build applications, mostly the front end, and then later on how to use the uh, APIs, um, so the functionalities and all the, uh, let's say, uh, tools that gi- give you t- WeChat to exchange data with the application and so forth and so forth. So that this comes like somewhere half of the camp. Once you already know how to code, then we teach you some tools such as WeChat in order to test your business idea, and launch services inside WeChat. Then, of course, you also need to know a little bit of the legal framework. When you host code in China, you need an ICP license. You need to be able to deploy your server on Aliyun. So all of this is also um, introduced at some point during the journey. And finally, well, all the instructors uh, operate in China. They are Chinese, ABCs, Americans, and whatnot. And uh, they know how to build products for the Chinese market. So the coaching happening on the last three weeks will be a lot about launching a product on the Chinese market as well. So that's, that's a little bit beyond programming and technology here. It's more about uh, designing a product be- that people really want to use here, mm. right?
0: And I'm, I'm curious, I mean, like, how did, like, like, can you just talk a little bit about the development of, of this curriculum? Because you know, like, this kind of stuff, it doesn't just uh, pop out of nowhere, right?
1: Right, yeah, I told you the, the three founders uh, five years ago started with one camp, and we have a very fast, iteration cycle, right? Every single camp, which is two months, we collect feedbacks and we improve each lecture. So we had now, what, 200 camps around the world for the past five years. So each camp, imagine it's one opportunity to improve something, right? So it goes very fast and we can modify courses, introduce new courses. Um, Every three months, there's something new coming in. So the teachers have to always you know, adapt their course to what we give them in terms of material, but we also adapt very quickly to the market. So if tomorrow uh, Biden's torture is the next big thing, um, my team will be able in a matter of two weeks to get new courses ready and introduce it and test it. Uh, small scale in one camp, and if we're happy with one camp, then we replicate around China, right? That's pretty much the, the methodology we have. Every time there is something new is in terms of product framework, we experiment, and that's part of my job, and I, the thing I enjoy the most as well: um, researching, testing, writing white books. We we publish a lot of online free research, and and then we get some feedbacks from here and there, saying, trying to figure out what's the you know what's the what's the right thing. We have nine weeks only, right? So we do select and curate what's necessary. If that makes sense, we cannot teach them everything. We cannot, for example. Um, blockchain right huge topic but does that fit into a 101 to product development camp uh, or is that something that is more infrastructure that can come later same with uh, artificial intelligence is that something that you need to put at the beginning of your camp or that can come in one specific product framework with add-ons and tutorials and you know and more more workshops and hackathons? yes so th- we we select we select what we want to teach we test in camp and for other topics that we love, we run workshops that are for free, public in all co-working spaces, and we organize hackathons where it's another great way to learn. You hack products and you use new toolkits, right? So that's that's what we're trying to do. Is that answering your question? Sorry, I think I've been. Uh... Yeah, no, it is. It is. It's fine. It's fine. Um, and and it, and like
0: it just it just reminds me of um, one of the things that I, I like about kind of the the impact that. Uh, programmers have had on on kind of uh, company on business practice you know because so mm. um, obviously again like you know I'm not a programmer but I'm a big fan of scrum uh, the idea of scrum and I've tried in, uh, in, a, in a few instances to adapt uh, scrum and, and agile into my own management practices Nice. Um, So you do daily standard meetings at Techno? Well, kind of. I mean, so, so again, we're all, we're all remote. um, And Mm, so what, mm. so we just, we do daily check-ins basically um, to make sure that, to make sure that we all know kind of what, what everyone is doing. Um, And I'm trying to push that into the, uh, into the uh, broader organization as well. But because it's just, it's just one of those things, I mean, you, you end up wasting so much time with communication, ad hoc communication, um, that it's, it's much, much easier if you can just raise a flag and say, hey, this is what's happening. Uh, this, this is what I did. This is what's happening. This is a problem that I'm having. And then if you need to, then you can talk with someone specifically about how to solve that problem rather than waiting for problems to,
1: to actually appear. Right. That's actually one of the most interesting part of the camp, according to me, uh, what I observed, um, is when they work on projects, when they work in teams, okay? Because then students are asked to deliver uh, projects. We, which be- we believe this is the only way to learn how to code anyway. Uh, but then it's just beyond programming. It's much more, you know, writing lines of code and putting things together because, because you can be a very shitty programmer when you're alone, but then when you have to work in a team of four or five, then then the fun starts. Then then it's like, um, you know, I spent my day working on the homepage, and like, what have you been doing? Oh, I also worked on the homepage, and that's how that, sort of, that sort of things happen all the time. But when you have only five days or ten days to deliver, you you cannot let this done, right? So. Students are pushed to you know do a lot of product management, project management, and they change roles every 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 few days, so that they can be a bit of front end, back end, data, and PM, and product owner, and they can switch and they can realize okay, actually, the methodology of startups, the uh, using GitHub to collaborate, making pull requests, and all of these software practices wow, that's how now I'll be able to lead my team to be much more efficient. And I'm going to use this tool and this tool to uh, get things done. Uh, And they learn this, you know, not week one, obviously. Uh, They get into this week seven. And that's where they realize, okay, everything I've learned now, I'm going to put put it into practice and it's even harder because I'm not alone anymore. And so I, I can hear you. It's always, the hardest part is always the soft skill. It's always like collaborating with different people, getting everybody aligned and shipping. A product. Yeah,
0: I mean that's 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 so funny. So I was just talking with uh, someone recently uh, for 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 this podcast about blockchain, and one of the things that I keep thinking about with blockchain specifically is that you know a lot of the issues that that people are trying to solve right now. I mean, obviously there still are some technical issues that need to be solved. Number one is scalability, uh, but some of the biggest issues with blockchain and especially Bitcoin actually has to do with 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 the people, not necessarily with the technology. Or or to put it a different way, the way that people are using Using the technology is is the issue is one of the bigger issues, not the technology um, itself. And so I think that it really doesn't matter, you know, uh, what what the technology is or, or what you're trying to do. At the end of the day, it's the human element that that needs some of some of the most attention. Um, but uh, but yeah. So I was looking at your your website and uh, the uh, the wagon um, uh, global website, and I noticed that as that 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 as part of like the final project, you ask students to, to
1: make a clone of Airbnb, is that right? No, no, it's not the final project, but yes, um, let me explain. We have <laughs> two main, no, it's uh, two main projects doing the Okay. Camp. One of them indeed is a Airbnb clone, but essentially it's using the sharing economy and you have five days to put everything together. Everything you've learned, like backend, frontend, database, you have to learn how to code as a team and you have to deliver. A new platform. Now that was originally the idea, and this happens on week uh, seven. So it's like, yeah, it's the almost almost the end of the camp. Um, you you collaborate and you have to use new functionalities that we teach you, like authorization, search, payment, maps, mailing, all of that. You have to put it into practice there um, and deliver. But in China, we observed a lot of students that the, that use the week seven Airbnb to actually work on a clone of. Mobike, right? So, sharing economy, but instead of doing a website, they deliver a WeChat application that is actually, at the end of the day, the same sort of functionalities, right? You have a map, you, you can book, you can search, etc., etc. Uh, and it's all full stack, right? You have a backend, you have a database, you have a phone and it works. And they have five days and they do it. Man, they actually do, five, in five days, they release a clone of Mobike. So, it's not a bike, obviously, we don't allow bikes, but they can find any other thing that they want to share and they put it in the WeChat application. So that, this is a kind of a, it's a mock project to put everything into practice, to warm up the team, right? To, to fine tune the way they collaborate. And then we get into the final project. And this one is uh, totally open. They pitch, they pitch something they want, the class will select the students themselves. So we have really random idea every time coming in. And this, the, the, the classmates will um, make teams according to the topics. And, and then they work on, on the two weeks sprint to deliver the final product. Right now my students in, in Shanghai and in Chengdu um, they are on the final 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 sprint and they are about to deliver. Uh, some of them are not still not working, so they will be probably hiking all night to make sure it's fixed. <laughs> and tomorrow they'll be they'll be showing it to what we call a demo day. It's like you know like accelerators do, but um, we don't have any investors, it's not at a stage of investment anyway. It's more pitching it to the audience and getting feedbacks getting some first adoption, launching it officially. It's a good party.
0: Yeah no I, I, I can imagine but so, so I'm curious then and so uh, why why a sharing economy uh, application? I mean so you just listed out a lot of different features. is it because is it because it, it integrates a lot of different a lot of different aspects or is there is there something else that I'm missing?
1: Yeah, it's first thing and foremost is because there are so many very important functionalities that we can wrap up in five days. It's a very good practice uh, of their skill. Um, And then everybody can have crazy ideas of sharing economy. Right, so on the Monday they can decide to um, you know, share your uh, boyfriend for uh, Chinese New Year, that kind of platform. And they're all right, dope, let's do it. And they have five days to deliver. So this way they don't focus too much on the business idea but they actually find something cool and they build it in five days. Right? And so the, the, we're coaching them on how to deliver something uh, rather than the actual uh, business idea for that specific week. Then for the final two weeks, yeah, the projects are a bit more tangible, a bit more innovative and unique. No, no, Airbnb mostly as a as a mock, as a play for us to to you know to to bootstrap their sure. skills sure. as well.
0: If uh, if people are interested in in learning more, uh, where can they find you online?
1: All right, um, we all, everybody involved at Loiyan, which is what about a hundred people, a hundred staff and. 300 mentors right now. We all publish a lot of um, articles. We, we, we write, I mean, we don't media like TechNode, definitely, but we share our thoughts, right? We, we explain what we see and we like to contribute. So uh, typically you'll find articles on LinkedIn, on Medium, um, on our blog, um, where we curate stories from the alumni. So like about 4,000 people can be published. Then you will have in China, uh, WeChat, Obviously, that's where we publish quite a lot of material, uh, learning materials, you know, mostly like guides, tutorials, things to things we want to share about. And then, um, where well, there's jinshu which is a little bit the equivalent of Medium in China, uh, Duetuin, which is a bit more tech, um, and so forth and so forth. So essentially, uh, the crew can be found on WeChat and LinkedIn. That's mostly the places where we publish, right? Okay. Uh, and then
0: I guess you're on LinkedIn as well and uh, we'll put that we'll put your LinkedIn profile in the show notes just in case someone wants to reach out directly
1: sure okay it's a pleasure All right, well, always down yeah. for a good chance alright well Thibaut thank, thank, thanks so much again we really appreciate it hey my pleasure um, hope to see you soon in Shanghai John.
0: if you have not already you should subscribe to our newsletters Every day we send out newsletters that give you all the information you need to understand what's happening with technology here in China. We have the daily briefing, which goes out Monday through Friday, as well as the weekend briefing, which goes out on Sunday. And that is a curated summary of news and information about technology in China, including some of our own stories. And then also we have thrice weekly, the China Funding Daily, uh, which I guess is perhaps a misnomer. That is a summary of some of the largest and most significant fundings here on the mainland.